We left off last week talking about Ecclesiastes 9. So thank you, Levi, for bringing that to us. And to get into chapter 10, we're going to look at the end of verse 9. Uh, because it, Solomon left us off with talking about wisdom. Um, and he had this little narrative about a, uh, an example of wisdom where there was a powerful king that came against a, a small nation and he set up siege ramps and he started to attack this nation. And it was a, a, a poor, wise man that uh, decided to come to the king and gave him, uh, basically spoke wisdom to him about how this uh, war could be won. And so by this wise man's words, he was able to uh, actually defend their kingdom. Uh, and so Solomon, seeing this, says that uh, wisdom is better than strength. But the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are no longer heeded. He says that the quiet words of the wise are more, are more to be heeded than the shouts of ruler of fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. So as he leaves off here, uh, he's starting to get into, uh, basically he goes into proverbial, wisdom, uh, proverbial uh, teaching about wisdom. So in chapter 10, we actually go from a little bit more of what seems kind of like narrative as Solomon is talking and just kind of having thoughts about different things. Uh, he really goes into uh, more of like a proverb kind of feel in this chapter and in the next chapter as well. And so he's going to start talking about wisdom here. And he's talking to basically two different people. Uh, he's talking to us being just private citizens, just normal people. Uh, but he's also addressing rulers in this as well. Uh, because the rulers, as much as they want to be uh, above wisdom and above reproach, they do have a responsibility. And so he's addressing those in this chapter too. And so as he gets into this, uh, he starts out with talking about uh, how a wise and a foolish man, uh, how they are different from each other and just some common differences between them. But we'll go through the, the chapter and then we'll start digging in. So in chapter 10, he says, as dead flies get perfume a bad smell, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. The heart of the wise inclines to the right, but the heart of the fool to the left. Even as fools walk along the road, they lack sense and show everyone how stupid they are. If a ruler's anger rises against you, do not leave your post. Calmness can lay great offenses to rest. There's an evil I have seen under the sun, the sort of air that arises from a ruler. Fools are put in many high positions, while the rich occupy the low ones. I have seen slaves on horseback, while princes go on foot like slaves. Whoever digs a pit may fall into it. Whoever breaks through a wall may be bitten by a snake. Whoever quarries stones may be injured by them. Whoever splits logs may be endangered by them. If the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. If a snake bites before it is charmed, the charmer receives no fee. Words from the mouth of the wise are gracious, but fools are consumed by their own lips. At the beginning, their words are folly. At the end, they are wicked madness, and fools multiply words. No one knows what is coming. Who can tell someone else what will happen after them? The toil of fools wearies them. They do not know the way to town. Woe to the land whose king was a servant and whose princes feast in the morning. Blessed is the land whose king is of noble birth and whose princes eat at a proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. Through laziness, the rafters sag because of idle hands, the house leaks. 
sorry, uh, through laziness, the rafters sag. Because of idle hands, the house leaks. A feast is made for laughter. Wine makes life merry, and money is the answer for everything. Do not revile the king, even in your thoughts, or curse the rich in your bedroom, because a bird in the sky may carry your words, and a bird on the wing may report what you say. Okay, so we're going to start out with those first three verses. And in these first three verses, Solomon is uh, talking about wisdom and a little bit of the differences between wise men and foolish men and how they act and uh, basically their reputation among each other and how uh, the wise tend to build up and are honored and are blessed by those who are around them while the wise, uh, though they want to be um, want to be in a higher position and want to be thought of as uh, good to other people, they tend to be destroyed by their own words. And their actions are actually what bring their positions lower than they should be or want to be. Okay, so in verse one, he says, as dead flies give perfume a bad smell, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. Okay, so we have a, a perfume. So a perfume is made to be sweet smelling. It's made to actually make things smell better than they actually are. And what he is showing here is that uh, as pungent as this perfume is, as great smelling as this perfume is, um, as dead flies, something as small as a fly, gets into the perfume, it can actually sour the, the perfume and make it smell bad rather than good. And so this thing that was supposed to be sweet smelling or was sweet smelling at one point now has become something that is foul and rancid and nobody wants that to be around. So in that same way, um, when someone does something foolish, it can ruin the entire reputation that they had built up for themselves over time. Uh, a good example of this was David. So Solomon's own father, we see David who was, uh, quote, a man after God's own heart, somebody who um, had one of the greatest reputations in the Bible, um, was revered in his day, uh, showed that he was wise, especially uh, more wise than Saul, or than Saul, and was of higher character than Saul. And yet, in the middle of his life, we see that instead of going out to war when kings were supposed to go to war, he stayed back and he made the foolish decision of not doing what his responsibilities were. And so as he stays back and he starts to um, become idle and have uh, foolish thoughts in his mind, he makes the mistake of uh, taking Bathsheba and because of that goes through all kinds of um, very malign things so that his reputation in the end becomes soured. And we see that from the time that he um, has this relationship with Bathsheba, uh, the reign of his kingdom kind of goes downhill a little bit, um, actually a lot of it. Um, his family starts to betray him and uh, actually tries to dethrone him many times. Uh, he has to go on the run from his own son. And these are uh, little things at first that seem like, like not going to war when you're a king. You know, he's been doing this for a while. It's, it's something that he knows he's probably supposed to do, but maybe he's just a little tired and doesn't really feel like it right now. And so instead of building up his character and keeping his character strong, he chooses to stay back. And because of that, uh, this one little mistake ends up being something that completely ruins his reputation. So in the same way that perfume that was sweet smelling to those around him was a blessing to those who are around him, soon that becomes soured and his reputation becomes completely nullified because of that mistake. You know, we see this all the time with people where they 
uh, may have big influence in our lives, and they might be somebody that we think is wise and who are uh, basically above reproach, but then they something comes out that wasn't what their character was like, and it might be something very small, but that small thing turns their reputation for you. So in the same way, uh, we being Christ followers, um, people are looking at what we're doing, and they're going to be listening to what our character is like and the things that we say and uh, the actions that we do. And because of that, we're kind of put under the microscope a little bit, uh, especially more than if somebody is a fool and you know it and they do something foolish, you kind of expect it. Whereas as Christ followers, people don't expect us to, to do things that are um, low in character. And so just keep that in mind as you're going about your day that uh, the wise are always looking to uh, be a blessing and be gracious in their, in their words. So that little folly um, will outweigh the wisdom and honor that you've built up if you aren't keeping your heart with all diligence. Uh, so in verse 2, he says, the heart of the wise inclines to the right, but the right, but the heart of the fool to the left. So even though we might know the right path and fools even know the right path, it doesn't say that wisdom is kept from people. It says that wisdom shouts in the streets asking for us to, uh, basically begging us to come and to find wisdom. And yet the fools, knowing that the right path is to the right, um, actually will choose the left path when given the opportunity. Even though that they know they shouldn't do it. They're unsure or uh, even negligent of acting rightly. And so they turn to the left and follow foolishness instead. And these are the kind of people in verse three, it says that even fools walk along the road, even as fools walk along the road, they lack sense and show everyone how stupid they are. Uh, I, I don't know if your translations are different than how stupid they are, but um, I kind of like how the NIV puts it that way because you can definitely tell a fool as they're walking around because that foolishness goes ahead of them. You can tell as soon as somebody starts talking or even that's the way that they're approaching you. They kind of got the crazy eyes sometimes. Uh, foolishness really does carry on a person's, um, their character. And basically it's pretty easy to tell when somebody's a fool, even as soon as they start talking, you can tell when these people are, that these people are foolish and they, you really should be careful about what you listen to what they say um, from the get-go. Uh, so it is something tangible that the wise can, can see and feel. And um, so as you are going through your days, be sure of yourself that you are seeking wisdom and uh, don't let foolishness go ahead of you. All right, so verse four stands out from those verse, first three verses. Uh, and he's looking at a, uh, a relationship with a ruler. Um, so this could be a ruler as in a, a head official, as in um, a government official, or it could be somebody just in authority. So maybe your boss or somebody that um, you know that is a, of a higher position. But he says, if a ruler's anger rises against you, do not leave your post. Calmness can lay great offenses to rest. So if you are maybe working for somebody or if you um, are in a, a government position or in a position just of um, a local government or even of a, of a small body, uh, if someone has a, a problem with something that you did uh, and you know that you are in the wrong about it, uh, it is not your position to start to lose your temper as well if they become angry with you. Uh, 
having that calm demeanor and having that willingness to admit wrong carries a lot of weight, uh, especially with people who are maybe foolish or who might have anger problems whenever they start to um, become annoyed with something. And so just having that calm demeanor and not losing your temper can really alter big mistakes. Um, so it's just encouraging to, to control your emotions, watch, um, even though that you might think you were in the right or you know that you're in the right, uh, sometimes it's not worth that battle to bang your head against a fool, to continually uh, seek to uh, see how you are right while knowing that if you were to just be a little submissive, um, that right could be uh, made up pretty quickly. Um, because if you are willing to be submissive and you're really willing to admit you're wrong, that person, if they are a good person, will probably see that as well and honor that and will apologize as well. And all will be good between you two. Okay, so going through verse five through seven, uh, we have Solomon looking at some errors that he sees between rulers and uh, things that tend to arise from rulers that uh, really aren't right in his eyes. And so we have verse five. He says, there's an evil I've seen under the sun, the sort of error that arises from a ruler. Fools are put in many high positions while the rich occupy the low ones. I've seen slaves on horseback while princes go on foot like slaves. All right, so here he is specifically talking to rulers or people in authority, but we can also glean some wisdom from this as well. So in verse five, he's just basically saying, these are, these are things that he's seen under the sun. So things that he has seen on earth that uh, we think probably should not ever happen, especially if you are ever in a, a workplace situation or if you are um, having to deal with government officials. Uh, there's a, uh, there's an unevenness about how people are promoted to positions while others are left in low ones. So in verse six, he says, fools are put in many high positions while the rich occupy the low ones. So hearing that the rich occupy low ones is kind of interesting wording in how uh, basically fools are put into uh, positions of authority or uh, given a uh, higher rank than you are while the rich, so rich meaning people who have shown their worth already. So if you were to just kind of read that off the face, you'd be like, what does rich people have in low positions have to do anything? It's talking about people who have already proven their worth and are rich in wisdom and rich in uh, maybe in commerce as well. So people who um, they have already proven themselves and yet they're given low positions. And this is a common thing. So I'm sure we've all been in that job before or been in that situation where uh, we know that the person that is ahead of us or somebody who is in a very high authority is an absolute fool. And you don't know how they ever got in that position in the first place. I know there have been jobs I'm like, I'm smarter than this guy and I'm like 18 years old and I don't know how this person is ahead of me. And yet that isn't something that's uncommon in this world. And it is a, an evil that Solomon says they've seen. And it's a, a common mistake that rulers make. So really it is about uh, a lot of the time about who you know and how well you get along with somebody. And that is a lot of the times what promotes people to higher position. And although that is an evil under the sun, it is something that we have to deal with. Um, Solomon's kind of saying, look, it's, it's not uncommon. It's not something that is only common to your life or 
common to uh, the, the jobs that you are in, um, everybody has to deal with this. And it's something that's always going to happen and always has. Even in, you know, thousands of years ago, Solomon has been seeing this. And so don't become discouraged as you are at your job or you are seeing uh, certain rulers who you might think are foolish. Um, it's, it's always been that way. It's always happened that way. It really is about who you know and uh, relationships and uh, people in authority are always trying to um, gain more power whatever way they can. And so this is why as they are put in higher positions, uh, people who are, are rich in um, improving themselves, who are rich in wisdom, who are rich in uh, actually helping people and have proven that they are uh, either good workers or um, are very wise are the ones who are always put in lower positions or who you know should be at a higher position. You're kind of wondering why has this person never been um, put in a position of authority before? And that's part of the reason why is um, it's just something that ends up happening all the time. And he says that he's also seen slaves on horseback while princes go on foot like slaves. So it really, the world really is a confusing place sometimes. Um, you see Solomon was looking at, uh, you know, between a slave and a prince, obviously the prince should be the one that gets to ride on the horse and gets to um, basically not have to walk certain places because everywhere that you went was either on horseback or you had to walk probably. And so to see a slave on a, on a horse while the prince is left walking is uh, a daunting thing, especially in his eyes, being a king. Uh, but the men who are honorable and wise get passed over all the time, while others who are fools uh, end up acting like they should be honored and they should be in places of high authority and are in higher positions than they really are in. And so this is him saying, look, there are instances all the time where people who should not be in positions that they are in are given those high positions while uh, people who are obviously much, much more effective at their job or uh, who should be in these positions are left walking on the ground. And so it is uh, an evil that he's seen that uh, really is, is daunting. Okay, but Rolling into verses eight through nine, uh, he starts to look at how when rulers and people tend to go out of the boundaries that God has set for them and out of the scope of um, what God has set before them, they start to, and when they go out of that, uh, things tend to recoil on them. So let's get into this a little bit. So in verse eight, he says, whoever digs a pit may fall into it. Whoever breaks through a wall may be bitten by a snake. Whoever quarries stone may be injured by them. Whoever splits logs may be endangered by them. So this digging a pit and tearing down walls, what he's referring to is basically setting traps for others so that you can be empowered because of the, the trap that you have set for them, whether that be uh, maybe gossiping about them, maybe uh, setting up something for them to fail, uh, or as uh, tearing down walls is, is having to, is talking about basically getting out of the boundaries that you are supposed to be in. So if a government official steps outside of their bounds of their power and, tar and starts to do things that really they don't have the authority to do or they know they shouldn't do, because um, walls here is talking about, um, one translation actually says hedge. So it's talking about 
uh, like a hedge around a vineyard or a wall around a, a city. So basically tearing down those walls would be um, expanding your kingdom farther than uh, the ancient boundaries that should be there or uh, tearing down and going outside of the provisions that you've been given. So if you were to tear down the hedge of a vineyard and expand your vineyard, that would be taking up probably somebody else's property more. And so this would be like moving lines on a, on a property. And so as a, as a person starts to get outside of what they've been given, uh, these things tend to recoil on them. So if you are digging a pit for somebody else, you have to be careful because you yourself might fall into that pit. If you start to gossip about people, you have to be careful uh, because most likely what will happen is that gossip will come back to you and people will find you out that you are the person who spreads these things. If you are the person that is trying to entrap people in things that they um, are only meant to fail, uh, somebody eventually is going to catch on to what you're doing and you will be found out. And so Solomon is saying, look, these are, these are what fools do. These are things that uh, even though you might think that they might be building you up, it might be helping you, they're actually being detrimental to you. They're actually going to bring you in a lower position and uh, ruin you rather than build you up. So just as those dead flies in a perfume give a bad smell, so in the same way, that little folly that you have, that little uh, digging a pit for somebody else is actually going to be something that takes your own life. And the same thing with uh, breaking through a wall. As you try to break through a wall, you try to expand what you already have, uh, there might be a snake on the other side waiting to bite you. So even though you think you might be gaining more from expanding your, your reach and expanding your power, uh, you have to be careful because just as quickly, uh, you might not realize that there's a snake on the other side. So there might be um, unintended consequences for actually building that up and, and expanding that. Okay, and then whoever quarries stone may be injured by them. Whoever splits logs may, may be endangered by them. So this is, again, just talking about how uh, doing things that you intend to be good things uh, to build yourself up might actually be harmful to you and might actually uh, bring more harm than they do good. All right, so in verse 10 and 11, uh, we have kind of the, the struggles of being foolish and what the foolish have to look forward to uh, while the wisdom have something else to look forward to. So in verse 10, it says, if the ax is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. If a snake bites before it is charmed, the charmer receives no fee. Okay, so in verse 10, uh, if the ax is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed. So if you are going through life being a fool, life is simply going to be a lot harder for you. Uh, somebody with a, a dull ax is going to have to put in that much more strength in order to actually chop down a tree. That's why it's really important to sharpen an axe and not uh, just continually keep trying to cut down trees. You can keep doing that, but more strength, more effort is going to be required of you. And eventually it's going to leave you tired and you're not going to be able to cut down near as many or near as much as you would be able to otherwise. Uh, so wisdom is knowing that spending the extra time and preparation for difficult tasks it will actually prevent us from struggling and needing to put in more effort and strength. So there's that, uh, the old story of the lumberjack who, as he was employed by, um, by a lumber company, he, he sets out and his, uh, his boss gives him a brand new ax. says, here's a brand new ax, go cut it down as many trees as you can. So he goes out, he wants to kind of be a big shot, be a, a, a good lumberjack. And so he comes back, he's like, I cut down 18 trees today. 
And his boss is like, awesome, you're doing great. That's really good. Here's your pay for today. Come back at it. So the next day, uh, being even more enthused, he comes back and he puts in even more effort and he only gets eight or 15 trees. So he's like, oh, okay, that's kind of weird. I thought I was trying a little bit harder, but I only got 15. Okay. So he comes back the next day. He only gets 12 and then seven and then three. And finally he's like, what is the problem here? Why I'm putting in twice the effort that I was before. And yet I'm not able to chop down near as many trees as I was before. As I was before. His boss says, when's the last time that you sharpen your ax? So all this time, instead of taking the, the little bit of time that it took to sharpen the ax so that he could continue to cut down twice as many trees, three times as many trees. Instead, he spent it putting in more effort, trying to muscle his way through it instead of preparing and doing the small tasks necessary to make big differences in his life and in his work. So in the same way, uh, we can look at taking that small amount of time, that small amount of preparation and forethought so that as we go to either our jobs or as we go um, through our relationships or being with family, uh, as we start to prepare for those things, if we spend the little amount of time that it takes to look forward to them and, and prepare and sharpen our own acts, if we're learning and if we are spending time in the Word, that little bit of time, though it seems unnecessary and seems like it might be a waste, is actually uh, going to help you be more productive and is actually going to help you to uh, have less stress and put in less effort and have be less weary than if you had just taken the 15 minutes that it took to prepare. And then in verse 11, he talks about, uh, it's a very interesting one. He says, if a snake bites before its charm, the charmer receives no feed. Uh, so that's kind of a weird verse to think about, but basically uh, what he's saying is being good at a task doesn't really mean much if you never have the opportunity to do it. If you are bitten by a snake before you get the time to charm it, then being a snake charmer doesn't really get you anything. So even though that you might have a skill at something, uh, you still have to put in the effort to do the skill or actually uh, be given the opportunity to, to have that skill and to use it. Okay, but in verses 12 through 15, he starts talking about the words of the wise and the foolish and just the, uh, the words that they actually speak and how that affects the people around them. So in verse 12, he says, words from the mouth of the wise are gracious, but fools are consumed by their own lips. At the beginning of their words are folly. At the end, they are wicked madness, and fools multiply words. Okay, so verse 12, it says that the wise speak and are praised for their wisdom, uh, but fools will speak and their words are actually detrimental to them. So as wise people speak, uh, we all know that person that we would classify as a wise person uh, their words are always full of grace or always words that are building up and helping people. Uh, I actually think of, of, if you ever talked to Ron Thornton, uh, he is a, a guy that's at our church. He's a very wise man. And the, anytime that you ask him some kind of question or you have some kind of deep thought for him, uh, his first response is always to go thinking about some kind of verse to relate to that. Um, he always gets into the word and his words are always very gracious and he's very contemplative and takes his time to really look at your question and really look at what's going on in your life rather than just saying, shucks, man, that really sucks. Uh, I'll be praying for you and just leaves you with that. Um, Ron will take the time and even if he barely knows you, he will actually go through scripture and he will uh, pour out his heart in order to help you out with whatever's going on. 
And these are the words of the wise. They're very gracious and they're always building up. Whereas the fools are consumed by their own lips. So if you've ever talked to somebody that's a fool uh, and you kind of know it, uh, you can tell that their words as they continue to speak, you kind of get the feeling like they don't really know what they're talking about, but they're trying to uh, basically get you to think that they know what they're talking about. And so they keep talking and keep talking and keep talking. Even though that you might know that they're completely wrong, they still try to make their point to you and still try to get you to agree with them. And so they just keep talking. And by the end of it, their words have completely destroyed any kind of reputation that they might have for themselves um, or uh, just show that they are wrong in their thinking. So at the beginning of their, wor of their words, they're folly. At the end, they're just wicked madness. So there are certain people, if you don't agree with them or you kind of start to find them out that they are foolish, uh, these people just snap at you. They snap and they, at the end of their words, it's completely madness. They're shouting, they are angry because you don't agree with them and they can't get their point across to you. And so you don't really know what's going to happen next. So he, even, he even says that. He says that uh, they, they multiply their words, they become angry, they become belligerent, and then no one knows what's coming. Who can tell someone what will happen after them? So you, these kind of people, you don't know what they're going to do. As soon as they come talk to you, you're like, oh, great, i got to talk to this guy again. Who knows what's going to come out of his mouth this time? Who knows what he's gonna, what's going to set him off? So let's just talk to him. All right, cool, I'm out. See you. And you try to end the conversation as fast as you can. And yet these people will try to talk your ear off and try to get you to agree with them. And I'm sure that many of us know these people. And probably the best thing to do is to speak graciously to them and then leave them be and not listen to what they have to say. So in 15, he says that the toil of fools wearies them. They do not know the way to town. So at first glance, it's kind of an interesting, uh, an interesting thought that they don't know the way to town. Basically, what he's saying here is these people are, are so consumed by their lives. They're so um, distraught and so tired from having to work so hard to get nowhere that uh, basically it's like they don't even know how to enter to the town through the front gate. Okay, so if you were to go to a city in this time, uh, obviously, there would be a huge front entrance, a huge gate that you'd have to go through in order to get into that city. And these people are like people who can't find the front of the city. Okay? They're so, uh, for lack of a better word, dumb, and so absurd that something as obvious as finding the entrance to a city is completely um, foreign to them. They don't even know how to do this because their efforts are, are everything they do is so hard for them. So that path of progress as, as wise people have is pretty obvious to them and these people are just completely oblivious to what's going on. All right, so let's look at verses 16 and 17 talking about young and wise rulers and the happiness and well-being of a nation depending on the character of its rulers. So in verse 16 it says, Woe to the land whose king was a servant, whose princes feast in the morning. Blessed is the land whose king is of noble birth and whose princes eat at a proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. All right, so here he's specifically addressing uh, basically the health of a nation depending on uh, their, their leaders. And so in 16, he talks about 
a a land whose king was a servant. So in other translations, that is that word servant can mean uh, a child or youth. And so he isn't necessarily talking about age in in that context. Really, what he's talking about because Solomon himself was a young king whenever he came into the, into the kingdom. Uh, really, he's talking more about uh, their their character being young or being childish. And so he's saying that. Uh, there is a woe to the land when the king is is childish and whose princes feast in the morning. So feasting in the morning may not seem like a big deal, but basically these people are putting themselves before they are, uh, they're putting themselves before their nation. They are more interested in gratifying their own flesh and gratifying them themselves than they are in actually leading their nation and leading their people to make their lives better. They're more concern and more obsessed with gratifying themselves than they are actually leading and helping their their people. And as they're feasting in the morning, that also causes them to become uh, a little, maybe a little bit drunk in the morning. And so that carries through out their entire day uh, being drunken and not being able to function at their highest capacity. And so they're feasting not so that they can strengthen themselves but they are feasting because they want to have pleasure and they want to um, have that feeling of drunkenness throughout the day. Whereas a land who has a noble king, uh, a noble prince who is of noble birth. So noble birth, not necessarily being uh, their, their bloodline or being of that they were born from noble blood, it's meaning that they are people of wisdom, people of good character who have been built up under the word and built up uh, by their parents to know what is right and know what is wrong and are not fools. So a land is blessed when the king is of noble birth and whose princes eat at a proper time. So they are eating for strength and not for drunkenness. So they are eating so that they can actually lead their people that they're not having to worry about what's in their stomach and they're not having to worry about uh, the things that are um, not necessary um, when it comes to leading their people. They're just doing this so that they can have sustenance and so that they can actually be effective for their people. And they're actually taking that time to sharpen their ax and be able to be wise and be able to be strengthened rather than spending their time just wanting to have pleasure and being drunk. And so verses 18 through 20, we have a little bit about uh, providing for our families and, and looking after our families and our, our nation. So verse 18 says, through laziness, the, raft, the rafters sag because of idle hands, the house leaks. Okay, laziness and idleness can tear down a home and make life miserable, even rotting the place where you live. So this is definitely a call for, for men as it comes to their households. Uh, it's both a literal and metaphorical calling to them. So literally, if you don't take care of your house, if you don't take care of the home that you're in, uh, things will start to fall apart. And especially if you've ever um, got an older house or if you've ever tried to renovate a house, uh, negligence goes a long ways in what it does to a house. Uh, my parents just bought a, a trailer that they moved out to a little piece of land while they wait to, for prices to go down for other, uh, like to build a house and it's been neglected and you can definitely tell it. Um, there's stuff rotting everywhere, things are falling apart, there's holes all in the walls 
And you're just like, how does this happen? And it's just those little, little bit of idleness, a little bit of laziness over time, a little bit of not paying attention to things and just putting pictures on the wall to cover up whatever's going on. Um, that definitely tends to tear down a home. And that also happens for our, our spiritual leadership and our, our character leadership with our families. Um, a man who doesn't tend to the business of his home will soon find that over time um, his uh, spiritual roof will start to sag. His family will sag as well. So a man has to look after his family and home and not neglect them and must be in leadership over them. And then a ruler must do the same with a nation. So as a, a ruler has authority over his nation, uh, their job is to make sure that the roof doesn't sag, that um, that hands are not idle and that they are taking care of their people rather than uh, taking care of themselves and taking care of only those who are around them. And so that's something to keep in mind uh, as you're thinking about our, our leaders. And in verse 19, he says, a feast is made for laughter, wine makes life merry, and money is the answer for everything. Kind of an interesting uh, tidbit coming from Solomon. So a feast is made for laughter. Um, a feast is made for being with friends. It's made for enjoying time together. And uh, it's meant to be spent with wise people and enjoying that wisdom that they have and enjoying that, uh, that gracious talk and being built up by each other. And so it isn't for... Uh, just building ourselves up or um, or having that um, that gratification in the flesh. It's for enjoying others and being with other people and enjoying company. And then wine makes life merry. So as somebody enjoys wine, uh, it'll make us merry and happy in the moment, but uh, money uh, seems to be over what he's talking about with the feast and the wine. He says money is the answer for everything. So... Money is the answer for everything that you might need in life. So money will provide a feast. Money will provide wine. Money will provide um, the, the actions that you need to take care of your home. But the things that money cannot provide are salvation. And money cannot provide good character and wisdom. And money cannot provide uh, a, a good family. And so even though these are good things, these are things to be enjoyed by the Lord, these are not the end-all be-all. And so in verse 20, uh, he kind of ends with a, a little bit about how to, how in your heart to really think about rulers and those who are in authority over you. He says, do not revile the king even in your thoughts or curse the rich in your bedroom because a bird in the sky may carry your words and a bird on the wing may report what you say. So basically, here he is saying to respect those who are in authority. Even though you might not agree with them or you might completely disagree with them, um, the Lord has put them in these positions for a reason, and he is the one who has appointed them to those places. And so it is our job not to, not to think ill of them and completely um, think that they are um, in that position even though they should not be. So really, this is this is much of an over-exaggeration, just as Jesus would do with uh, with other sins. As we are thinking about those who are in authority, especially our rulers, um, not even thinking evil about those about them is what we are supposed to do. So especially not talking about them or um, having bad things to say. 
because even though that we might think these things, eventually they do come from our lips. Whatever's in your heart is going to come from your lips. And as you start to speak these things, um, sin can creep into that. And that's easy to see right now, especially that sin can come from those evil thoughts. And so it is for us to keep our hearts with diligence and not to fall into this sin of thinking ill against our, our leaders. So our duty is to pray for them and so that we might have quiet and peaceful lives. That's in First Timothy 2. And so as you start to have those thoughts, remember to pray for those who are in authority. Remember to pray for those who are uh, maybe your boss or have a position above you that you don't agree with. And remember that the Lord hears all of, your, all of our thoughts and he knows our thoughts. And so don't be sinful and be caught in that as you think about those in authority. Whose voice can come if you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to like and subscribe to our content. We are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Married Now What podcast is a ministry of Evergreen Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It is meant to be a resource for in-depth Bible study for couples striving to build their lives on the truth of God's Word. For more information and additional lessons, please visit our website, evergreenbc.org. Come alive.